Wow, thank you, choir. If you have a Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 1. We are on a journey all the way to Christmas Day through the book of Luke. Christmas is coming. Luke chapter 1. We will be today in verses 39 through 45, and we will look at Mary's song, also known as the Magnificat. So we'll take it in two sections. The first section, we'll see Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth. Then the second one, we will actually see Mary's response to what Elizabeth says, Mary's song. As you turn there, I'd like to ask you today, do you Magnificat? Is there a song in your heart today? Everyone's singing a song. Everyone has things in their heart. And sometimes those things are about the Lord, sometimes not. So that's what we're talking about today. Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 39 through 45, okay? If you were there, please say mistletoe. Okay, most of you, some of you. Verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Even in the womb, even in the womb, John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord. All babies are special. Every mom would tell you that. Every mom thinks that her baby is the most special. Today, when a student misbehaves at school, the kid doesn't get in trouble anymore. The teacher gets in trouble, right? Moms think that their kids can do no wrong a lot of times. But baby Jesus, he was special. He was very special. He was extra special. And John the Baptist did a happy dance in the presence of Jesus. He was excited already about the Messiah, even as a baby not even born. In this dialogue, Elizabeth does most of the talking. Those of you, do you have those friends that they do most of the talking and you just listen? That's what Elizabeth was doing. Elizabeth was excited. She understood that this baby inside of Mary was the Messiah. God had already revealed that to, who, to her and her husband. And so Mary just listens. And as we, we see through this passage, Elizabeth, uh, the baby leaps. That word leaped, it means, uh, Plateau used it talking about a horse leaping, galloping through a field. Another place it was used in ancient times to talk about a man that's restless, that he just cannot sit still. Any of you can identify with that? That's why it's hard for me to sit through a sermon because I, I want to get up and I want to do something. But in this dialogue, Mary listens. She just listens to what Elizabeth has to say. Maybe she's already doing what Luke chapter 2 says, that she treasures these things up in her, in her heart 
and she ponders them. Maybe Mary is already thinking about these things. And we see that in verse 45, that Elizabeth, she sums up her statements and she says, Blessed is she who believed. You see that word, believed? That there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So I want us to think briefly about faith. Let's think about faith. Let's talk about three things that faith brings. Well, first, faith brings salvation. That's how we come to know Christ, through faith. Uh, Today, you're sitting in a chair, and you have faith in that chair, right? If you didn't have faith in the chair, would you be sitting there? Would you put all of your, your body weight in the chair? No, you wouldn't. You have faith that that chair is going to hold you up. And so salvation, we come to know Christ through, uh, by faith, right? For it is by grace you have, you have been saved through faith. It's not of our own selves or our own doing. It's faith. We put faith in Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, that If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the dead, you will be saved. Then it says, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. So faith's a powerful thing. We come to know Christ through faith. Next, we see that faith brings sanctification. Faith brings sanctification. Well, what does that mean? Well, in Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3, Paul is frustrated with his friends at the church of Galatia. He was upset because they had gotten so caught up in doing things for the Lord that they, they missed, missed the mark. They uh, thought that they had come to know Christ through faith, but now it's up to them, you know, to live for the Lord and to do what's right and to advance the church. And Paul says, he had some strong, strong words. He said in Galatians chapter 3, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your very eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Paul asked this question. Do you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So faith brings sanctification. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. What does that mean? Well, it means that faith, we can have eternal life in Christ, have a new relationship, be born again. But also faith, we are to live by faith. Believers, we should live by faith each day. Next we see that faith brings satisfaction. Faith brings satisfaction. Romans chapter 5 verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith brings satisfaction. What kind of faith? Faith, faith in the Lord. If, if we're not grounded in Christ and have faith in the Lord, then we're going to let our circumstances Dictate our satisfaction and our joy, right? Romans chapter 10 also says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Many people here today are disappointed. 
disappointed in life, disappointed in your job, disappointed in your circumstances, because maybe you're not putting your faith in the Lord. So faith's a special thing. Next, let's, let's go to Mary's song. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and we'll go all the way through verse 55. Okay? And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled with the hungry, he filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. That's Mary's song. What's your song today? Mary had a song in her heart. There's three distinctions I want us to see this morning from Mary's song. Three distinctions about her worship. By the way, we worship. We worship God in spirit and truth, right? We people, when people come to, to this church house, we want people to have the freedom to be able to worship the Lord how they want to, to be able to, to worship the Lord. But also, we don't want people to, to feel the pressure to worship any certain way. You know, that'd be a tragedy if, if uh, someone comes to visit our church and they feel like this pressure, like they've got to sing a certain way or stand a certain way or to, or to even lift their hands. Hey, that's not some people's thing, and that's okay. But some people it is, and uh, they should have the freedom to be able to do that. Now, with that said, uh, anything that we do in a worship service when we sing to the Lord, if it draws attention to ourselves, then that's not honoring the Lord. That's not worshiping in spirit and in truth. My grandfather used to say that any, if a worship, in a worship service, if anything is ever going on and it's causing confusion, well, that's not the Holy Spirit, right? That's a different spirit. And so that, we want our worship here at FBC Bay St. Louis to be about the Lord and for it to be a powerful display uh, to an audience of one. That's why we come. That's why we sing But three distinctions about Mary's worship and her song. Number one, we see her humility. Look at verse 48. Mary says, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. We saw a few weeks ago that Mary is from the backside of nowhere. Mary uh, is from the sticks. She's from a town that's not supposed to matter in the big world, in the big picture. But God raised her up. God raised up a humble teenage girl to bring about the Lord into the world. We also see Elizabeth's humility. We'll rewind verse 43. Elizabeth said, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? See, Elizabeth's humility. It runs in the family. The only people who can truly magnify the Lord are those who come to him on the basis of truth. I want to say that again. The only people who can truly magnify the Lord are those who come to him on the basis of truth. 
True worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Example, if, uh, if I were to come to the Lord, my chest poked out, and say, man, God, I'm about to come sing to you, and God, I'm coming to church because I've, I've had a good week serving the Lord, and, and uh, yada, yada, yada. Well, that would be, I'd, I would come to worship the Lord on a bed of lies. You see, because in the presence of Almighty God, the best that we have is like filthy rags. The only people that can truly magnify the Lord are those who come to Him on the basis of truth. And then here's the truth. God is holy, 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 and we are not. Now, Understand, we are justified in Christ. We are declared holy. We are declared righteous. We are forgiven. We are set free. When God looks at us, he sees Christ. We're pure. We're white as snow in the, in the eyes of God through the lens of Christ. But the deal is, we still have the old man living inside of us, correct? The old woman inside of us. The, the old nature is still there. We still have to wake up and face it. So Paul said we need to crucify it. We need to rest crucified so the power uh, of the flesh will not rule in our lives. Humility. You know, we could do a series on, on humility, and then at the end of it, we get there, we realize that, man, we're pretty humble now, and then we'd have to start all over. That's what C.S. Lewis says. We, we try so hard to get to a place of humility, and then when we get there, we've got to turn back around. You guys may think that I'm trying to be humble by preaching about humility. Well, that would be a very prideful thing. And then now you're trying to think I'm being humble because I said that. And that's not the case. I'm really confused now. But humility, you don't get there through a place of effort. You don't get there because of who your mama is or your dad or your family. You get there from understanding who God is and who you are. Mary was special. God raised her up for a purpose. Her song is not about herself. Her song is about the Lord. Next we see a distinction about Mary's worship is that it was abounding in Scripture. Abounding with Scripture. If you do the cross-reference work on this prayer, you'll see that many of these verses you can find phrases and words are found in the Old Testament. Many of the Psalms, Mary is quoting some phrases from the Psalms. A clear example of how it's similar to Old Testament is 1 Samuel chapter 2. If you don't mind turning there, please do so. 1 Samuel chapter 2. There's another young lady named Hannah. You guys know this story, perhaps. She had dreamed of having a baby. That's all she wanted. And uh, it just wasn't working out how she wanted it to. She cried out to the Lord over and over and over and over. And finally, God answered. God gave her the desire of her heart. And we see in 1 Samuel chapter 2, see if you see any parallels to Mary's song. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, but there is none besides you. 
There's no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. But those who are hungry, does that seem familiar? Those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. So it's not a word-for-word account, but there's many, many parallels. That's just one example. Is the song in your heart tomorrow and the next day and the next? Is it filled with scripture? Is it filled with humility? Is it filled with, with the word of God? Mary, her heart was filled to the brim with God's word. It was filled up with the word of God. If the only time we open the Bible is on Sunday mornings, then we're not going to be very uh, effective for the kingdom. Man cannot live on bread alone, but on the words of the Lord. Like the Gatorade commercial. Is it in you? Is the word of God in you? Next we see a distinction from Mary's worship. Certainty. Certainty. Mary was so as a matter of a fact. She was so certain. Look in verse 49, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 49. Mary says, For he who is mighty has done great things. Mary's certain of it. Look in verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm and he has scattered. Do you see the language? He has scattered the proud. Verse 52. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Verse 53. He has filled the hungry. 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mary is certain. She's certain about who her God is and and what his nature is, and what he's going to do. Do you have that certainty this morning? Don't you love people that shoot straight? I do. I love it. it saves so much time. And Mary, she was just being gut level honest, and she was certain about the things that she was talking about. She knew that she had experienced her God to be faithful, to be true to his promises. So the question is this morning, do you Magnificat? Is there a song in your heart today? Only you can answer that. Only I can answer that for myself. Many times we cannot magnify the Lord properly because we're not humble. We don't have the word in us and we are uncertain because we're walking in the flesh, walking by sight. Do you ever worked with those people? that uh, they just have a song about them. They have a whistle maybe that they tune or they have uh, this hum about them. You know those people that you've ever worked with? Some of them may may have uh, got on your nerves, but nevertheless, we as believers should have a song in our heart. And if we don't, then I would declare that maybe you do not know Christ. You may know about God. You may go to church. You may go to church every Sunday, be in seven different Bible studies. But if you don't know the Lord, you're not going to have a song in your heart. Friends, 
as you reflect, as we see this encounter with Mary and Elizabeth, and now we see Mary's response, I want to challenge us with this. God is not impressed with you or me. He's not impressed with how well we do our jobs or how talented we are or how talented we think we are or how faithful we do a task. He's not impressed with how much we have to sacrifice or how many years we've worked or served. We cannot gain merit with God. Well, pastor, you're just talking kind of ugly. Well, Psalm 147, verse 10, listen to this. He does not delight in the strength of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. God is not impressed by the latest uh, gadget that Apple comes out with this Christmas. God is not impressed with uh, the hottest, most brilliant Christmas toy on the market. God is not impressed by the most powerful military on the planet. God is not impressed, regardless if that military has uh, the most intelligence, or they're the most powerful, or they're the most numerical, even if they're the most brave military on earth. In fact, if every single military in the world united and tried to battle God, they would lose. The Lord would defeat them with the flick of a pinky. God is undefeated. He's powerful. He's powerful. Maybe this morning you're here and you really don't care that God is powerful. Maybe you don't care that he's holy. Maybe you don't care uh, about him at all. Frank, can I just tell you something? The Lord is the one that pays the taxes on the universe. He's the one that created the earth. He's the one that created you. He owns everything. He owns your bank account. He's God. I want us to see quickly, if you'll go to the book of Job, if you don't uh, have a Bible, that's okay. Job 38. Uh, Job was complaining. You guys, ever, do you ever complain? I complain all the time about stuff that I shouldn't. We complain about food sometimes, and we have more food in this country than any other country does. We complain about a lot of things, right? We, we even have radio stations here in the South that uh, it's like they were just invented so people could complain. We, we complain about the government. Republicans complain, Democrats complain, independents complain. And the truth is, uh, if you really don't like America that much, you probably should go somewhere else. It's still one of the greatest countries in the world. But we, we have a tendency, our flesh, to complain, right? We complain about the temperature at church. We complain because we don't have anywhere to park. We complain because someone's in our seat. Frank, can I tell you, Jesus owns that seat. Jesus owns the seat. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns uh, the potatoes underneath those hills, right? He's God. Well, Job was complaining. You know what? If anybody had reason to complain, I mean, the guy had a pretty good, I mean, if I were Job, I would have been complaining left and right. His family, besides his wife, his uh, farm, all the things that he invested his blood and sweat and tears into, and it was taken away. And Job was just being honest with the Lord. And God answers Job in Job 38. 
the Bible says that the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and, you, and you will make it known to me. God is calling out Job. The Lord's here today, and he's calling out some of us today. Verse 4. God says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, Job, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely, Job, you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or what were its bases sunk? Job, who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Job, where were you, man? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, and when I made clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus for shall you come no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. The Lord is calling out Job. He tells him many more things. Many are hilarious. He talks about the ostrich and many other things. If you want to be entertained, see, look at God's words to Job. 38, 39, 40, 41. And then Job 42, Job responds. Job chapter 42. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here, I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. And then Job says, I repent in dust and ashes. See, here's the deal. We are like dust. We came from the earth. And even though we're like dust and we have problems and we have stuff and we have a past and we have history, the Lord loves his stuff and he loves people. And that's what Christmas is about. Jesus came to make a way for us when there was no way. Have you ever surrendered to the Lord? Truly. I mean, have you ever uh, asked God to save you from your sins and asked Him to forgive you? See, it's not, a, it's not just a, a ritual that you go through as a child, but it's a time in your life where you come to a realization and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'd like to share my story quickly. I was at RA camp, Kosciuszko, Mississippi, Central Hills. I was 10 years old. My mom and dad made me go to camp. I didn't want to go. I didn't like church, didn't like singing at church, didn't like, certainly didn't like the preaching. Didn't like dressing up, still don't. And uh, could not stand church stuff. It just drove me crazy. Now, I did like the little cookies at Bible school. And I liked the Play-Doh. Uh, I liked the the peanut butter Play-Doh we got at VBS. It was awesome. But other than that, I just didn't like it. And if a Christian st- music came on the radio, oh, I certainly didn't like that. I didn't like anyone telling me what to do. 
And the truth of the matter is, I was born a sinner. And I was 10 years old, and I'd heard the gospel all week at RA camp. And it was the last night, and it was a campfire in the woods. And I can't explain it, but I know exactly what I thought. I remember it. I was standing there, and I was overwhelmed, thinking, I'm in big trouble. I'm in big trouble. Because I know how much of a sinner, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I have transgressed against God. And I don't know how I knew it. I don't know if I just heard the gospel many times or <clears throat> if the Lord just used the scripture, John three sixteen, in my heart. But I knew in that moment that the only one that could do anything about my condition was Jesus. And so I just called on right there. Lord, I need you to save me. Got to put my faith in you. And I didn't really know what formula to pray or, or how to say it. But it's in that moment that I asked God to save me. It changed my life that night. And I've made some really dumb decisions since then. Went down some very dark, dark roads. Many of you could identify with that. But all I know is that Jesus Christ changed my life. And he's who he says he is. And Christmas is about a whole lot more than just singing a few songs that make us feel good and decorating the tree. Christmas is about Christ coming to make a way when there was no way. So this morning, there's many people here today. And I know this because the Lord has pressed upon my heart. There's many people here today that do not know Christ. You may know about God. You may think a lot of times about the Lord. But if you never called on Jesus to save you, then you're lost, the Bible says. You don't know Christ. And today, you can come and know Christ. And it's not going to matter a thousand years from now what someone thought of you. All that's going to matter is what the Lord thought of you. We're about to have a time of invitation. You can come and you can begin a new relationship with Jesus today. Pastors will be here. We'd like to talk with you. Maybe you just need to go home. Maybe you need to go to the house or go sit on your porch or go for a walk. And just think about the Lord. So that's for the people that maybe have never accepted Christ. Next. Maybe today you, you have accepted Christ and you've had a relationship with the Lord for a long time. But maybe just seeing through Mary's song, you realize, you know what? Mary's song was humble. It was filled with scripture. And she was so certain. Mary wasn't stressed out in that moment about where are we going to stay when we have to go to Bethlehem? Who's going to reserve the hotel? Uh, why am I going to have to ride on a donkey? Uh, Joseph's going to think I'm crazy. You know, Mary was so confident in these moments. She was certain. She was certain. Not because of who she was, but because of who Christ was. So maybe if you're a believer today, your song doesn't look like this. Because maybe you're walking by sight. And you're trusting in your circumstances. And today, you need to just come, come simply to say, and you can do this right in your chair, by the way. Say, Lord... I want my song to be filled with certainty. God, I want the song of my heart to be about you. God, I want my, the song of my heart to mean something. God, I want my life to count. So many times, so many people in our nation, that all, we're all about ourselves. 
and we're missing out. We're missing out on the peace and the power of Christ. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. His kingdom's on the move. Today, there are people in many continents who will accept Jesus. They'll be set free. Chains will be broken. Be forgiven of their sins. Have new life in Christ. And today, the Lord wants to do that in this church house for some people here. Friend, would you come to Christ today? Let's pray.